Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women on life after 50 who are unafraid to age out loud. I'm your host, Katie Fogarty. It's been famously said that numbers don't lie. Today's guest is a woman with some very impressive numbers. Veteran investor Tracy Chadwell was just named to the first ever Forbes 50 over 50 list. She is one of Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women. She's the founding partner of 1843 Capital. And when you consider that only 2.4% of all venture capitalists are women, you realize just how extraordinary a career Tracy has carved out for herself. She joins me today to talk about closing the gender investing gap, why the all-female leadership team at her fund prioritizes investing in diverse founders, and why she's laser-focused on investing in silver tech and in companies serving the aging consumer. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, Katie. This is so exciting for me because I'm such a big fan of yours. I, I really love your podcast and I think, wow, how timely. It's really exciting that you're doing this. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. I love I love hearing that people listen to the show because it's such a labor of love and it's it's fantastic to have guests on who actually listen. So I appreciate that. Oh, um, you're doing a great job. Really thank, fun. Thank you. Uh, I'd love to start with a little stage setting. What made you launch your own fund? And can you share why your firm is called 1843 Capital? Absolutely. Uh, We decided to raise the fund because, you know, at the time, um, women were able to to raise capital and raise venture capital funds. And before that, I was a partner with a billion dollar growth capital fund named Baker Capital. And and when I was there, you know, I hadn't seen anyone raise a, a VC fund. And suddenly, Women, it was acceptable for women to raise a, a fund, if you can believe this. You know, a couple of years later, now, now there's a lot of us, but um, you, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't, we couldn't do it before. It just wasn't a thing that was done. I know this sounds so strange in this day and time, but it really, it really is true. Um, and why and why is that? Is it because people just weren't willing to see women in that role or were they just- I think yeah, that there's unconscious bias and um you know fair enough uh, I did leave the the workforce and and stay home to raise my children so I was out of view right so a lot of we women who had experience when we were younger in venture maybe a few of us left the business to go to go to home to raise children and which is something that I absolutely don't regret and um, wow I've been incredibly lucky that I've been able to to do sort of a U-turn and get back into my field. But also too, I will tell you that when I decided to go back to work, when when I found that it was time, um, I interviewed with quite a few venture capital firms that were established. And I was told some very nice things, which were, Tracy, we don't, we don't hire partners from the outside. We grow them from within. Um, you know, and then also there was some intimation that, you know, maybe I wasn't a fit because of my age. And that led me to the realization that if I wanted to do this and do that at the level that I was comfortable, I was going to have to start my own firm. And, and so that's what I did. And, and boy, now I'm, now I'm never looking back. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a, that's been a theme on the show that women were sort of denied the opportunity to either re-enter the workforce because of uh, time off for perhaps motherhood or caring for, for aging parents, uh, or simply because they, they got older in their industry and then were, you know, denied the opportunity and then created their own opportunity. Um, Exactly. You have to get creative. You have to get creative. It's absolutely, it's absolutely astonishing. And we, we hear, you know, right now it feels so buzzy, this idea of closing these gaps, of like getting women back to the workforce, closing, you know, efforts to, you know, close the pay gap. We hear about closing the gender gap on public boards. You know, we look at what California did with mandating the inclusion of women on boards. 
Yet、right. still, less than three percent of all venture funding goes to women, which、yep. is astonishing. Because you, I've seen studies, and I know you know this, that women-founded startups have better returns than those founded by men quite often. So,、oh, wh- why aren't more investors following those returns? It's it's really interesting, and I would say that in some cases, but not all, they may be working on a space that is not well understood by the traditional venture firms. Like, say, let's talk about menopause. You know, which is something that you I know you talk about a lot, and you have a lot of really great founders on.、Um, that's a that's kind of a tough one because. If you're if you're a guy, unless you paid really close attention to your wife, and maybe she's not talking about it because she's uncomfortable, you really don't understand what the symptoms are, what what technology is out there, what drugs and devices are out there. So, it's that's it's that's I mean that's a really extreme example, but but it is what a lot of women are facing. Sometimes the pain points that they understand, and I would say this is true for people of color too. I've I've understood that、um, there's been some really really successful people in. Uh, hair care for people of color, but if you don't have those hair problems, you don't understand it, and and so it's not something you're eager to invest in. You so you miss the opportunity. So you would think that like、yeah. smart men would say, "I need women on my team who understand these pain points," because there's an incredibly large market. I just had、um, Catherine Balsam Schwaber come on, the CEO of Kindra, who was on this month、right. uh, early and kicked it off, and she talked、right. about menopause being a six hundred billion dollar opportunity. Globally, so you would think like smart men would be like, I need people on my team who get these markets. Yeah, I know her, and she is fantastic, and I I really love her products, especially the lotion has been terrific.、Um, but it, it's really true. I think, and I think you're right, and I think a lot of smart firms are getting the message, and they're starting to hire、um, the the sort of. Unfortunate piece of it is that they're hiring younger women. You know, I mean that the that's fortunate for them. It's great,、sure. wonderful for them. And, and let, heck, let's get lots more women in the pipeline and and lots more women understanding finance. And we actually have an internship program so that we can expose young young women to the areas of venture capital and finance.、Um, but uh, uh, there are. You know, a lot of younger women that are interested in getting into the space that are in their twenties and thirties, and bravo. But、um, I think there is still less inclination to hire those of us with a lot of experience who are over fifty. Right. Which is why, thank God for the Forbes list. Right. How、it's, exciting is that? It's so exciting. It's, it's yeah, yeah, it's so exciting to to surface.、Um, Women who are at the peak of their careers are knocking it out of the park in this next chapter, and you know,、right. I, I actually read that list. I was so happy to see your name on it, and I was happy、oh, to to read all the other forty nine names. But I love、yes. that Forbes said, "You know what? We had ten thousand submissions, and we're going to roll out some extra lists this summer because、yeah. there's so many wonderful women to spotlight."、Um, yeah. So a quick quick question for you, Tracy. You had said I love that you're training, you know, the sort of younger generation who might be coming up in the VC space. But for you know, for my show's listeners who might be、uh, unfamiliar with venture funding, who might you know not know sort of the terms of art, can you give us sort of a quick primer? Because I know that your your firm invests primarily in Series A. Is that correct? It is, and、um, sure, I can give you just a, a really quick sort of two-minute overview. Yes, please. Why this is such a 
such an interesting space, but it's really, it's just a discreet, you know, we get all the news, we get all the press. And I think it's because we have these huge, big winners. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to say in beauty counter, I realized 20 times my investment in seven years, which is just huge. Um, but, uh, but really it's a very, very small sector in finance and, and a small piece of what's used to fund businesses. And, and um, I, I like to bring awareness to the fact too, that there's not just venture capital out there. Um, there is, there's great new loan programs. We actually, on my website, 1843capital.com, we have a list of all the resources, whether it's federal grants or, or loan programs or um, accelerators like uh, I fund women or GoFundMe. Um, these are really great places to fund your business as well. Back to what's venture capital. Venture capital, we because we have such high loss ratios, you know, these are really high flying, high risk, high returning companies. So a lot of the companies in our portfolio fail. Sure. You know, at the seed stage, 90% fail. Um, at my stage series A, which is when companies have about 2 million in revenue or above, you know, the failure rate's about 50%. So we have to take these long shot bets and we can only invest in long shot bets because I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but the way that my returns end up being calculated, if I don't have some six, seven, eight, 10 times my money companies, I can't balance out those losses and I look like I've done a terrible job. Sure. So if you're saying to me, you can you can double my money in two years, that may sound good, but I need you to also support my losers. So I've got to make sure that you can really, really return my whole fund um, by my investment in you. And so that's why some people get frustrated when they're like, I have a really great business. Why can't I raise venture capital? Well, it's only for those companies that could someday be a Salesforce or could someday be an Uber or could someday, you know, we're looking for those companies that are going to have over hundred million in sales within five years. Amazing. So that sounds like very hard to find, by the way. And I, I love that yeah. you were an early investor in Beauty Counter because that's a household name. I'm a big fan yeah. of their Dew Skin Tinted Moisturizer. I'm wearing oh, it. I love it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing it right now. But so how do you pick your uh, your Beauty Counters? Like Because you said you're making a bet. How? What are right. the criteria that helps you decide if your, your bet is a good one? Yep. So first of all, looking for that huge market opportunity, like let's just use Beauty Counter as an example. This is, you know, the, the beauty space, super high margin, large, large market, billions and billions of dollars of beauty products are sold every year. And, um, you know, from a personal standpoint, God, I loved what Greg was doing in terms of taking toxins out because that was sort of, we're not mission-based, but I love companies that have a mission as well. And I think that there's timing for that too now. People are becoming aware and, and want to buy mission-based things. So it had a huge market opportunity, had a great, great founder, Greg Renfrew, who, who is a woman. And also too, she had experience because she had started and sold a company already to Martha Stewart. So I knew she knew how to do it. Then she had something different. You know, this is this is the hard part. And this is where people always say, well, our differentiators are brand or our differentiators, this or that. And you really have to have a clearly defined competitive advantage. And Greg's was her distribution system. Nobody else was doing non-toxic body care in a peer-to-peer sales model. And I saw that that was working really well in a company called Stella and Dot. And I thought, well, that's great for Stella and Dot. They're selling bracelets. 
Greg's selling body lotion. So if you like it, you're going to keep buying it over and over and over again. I don't know how many bracelets people are going to buy. (laughs) You'd be surprised, but still, I I agree with you. This is like renewable because I'm on that do skin train. I get it, you know, every couple of months. I'm a repeat customer. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That's so interesting. So, So, So keep going. Oh, so, so I just I, I hope that shares a little bit about venture and and um, and how we work. But now specifically, we're very excited about, and this is very particular to to your podcast. We're super excited in anything that touches the customer fifty plus because this is an underserved area first and foremost. And none of the advertising or none of the product development has really gone to this direction. But there's suddenly this great awareness that oh my goodness, the baby boomers are out there. And guess what? People 50 plus control 83% of the wealth in this country. It's where it's where everybody with money is. So if you're building a product, why not build a product to target that demographic? It's just a really exciting space. I absolutely agree. And we're going to talk about silver tech and, and what it means and what the opportunities are and yeah. what you're particularly focused on in just a minute after our quick break. Menopause is inevitable, but the symptoms that accompany it don't have to be. Thanks to brands like Kendra. Kendra is menopause relief made by women for women. As someone who is actively looking to support female-founded businesses, both large and small, I feel good about choosing Kendra for my menopause challenges. All June, a certain age is talking to women building companies that serve women and consumers focused on wellness and active aging. Kendra does all three. Kendra also offers products that can support your self-care routine. I've made their science-backed supplements part of my day, including the energy and core supplements. And since midlife sleep disruptions are no joke, I end every day with a sleep-enhancing supplement. Kendra has a great offer for a certain age listeners. Any first-time purchasers or subscribers get 20% off anything. Use code KD20 at checkout. That's katie two zero. Head to OurKindra.com for menopause essentials that work. Okay, Tracy, we're back from our break. We were talking about silver tech and and why you're excited about it. Can you give us a definition of silver tech and and share a little bit about the angle and opportunities that you see in this space? We see a lot of different companies named such and such tech. Like, let's say you've got mobility tech, you've got agriculture tech, you have... um, um, you know, future of work tech. And, you know, we really hadn't seen people building companies to focus on aging. But then when we did, and we just just started seeing this happen over the last two years, they were calling them age tech and elder tech, which I just didn't think really encompassed the whole opportunity. Because we're talking about not only, you know, end of life care and, and dementia, but we're also talking about people in their 50s who are really vital and want to maximize and, and, and make the rest of their lives really fulfilling and continuing to do what they do well. And, and so we thought silver tech better encompassed that whole really vibrant opportunity. Yeah. It's, it, I def, I'm with you on the branding. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> silver tech sounds just more glittery and, and, and more fun um, than, than elder tech too, but it you, is. Yeah, it is fun. And you just shared um, such a fantastic and fascinating statistic that, you know, like what was it, 83% of uh, household wealth is in the 50 plus space. And I, I learned something myself on one of my recent podcasts that, we are on track in the U.S. to have more people over the age of 65 for the first time in our history than under the age of 18. Our population yes. is aging. So this is such an enormous opportunity. What are some of the companies that 
your fund is investing in that you're most excited about? It's really true. Well, we, um, first of all, we, we really are a fan of Joe Coughlin and the longevity economy. He's the head of the MIT age lab. And if you haven't checked out any of his um, things, podcasts on, on YouTube, they're great. Uh, he's really terrific. So he, he really focused the MIT age lab first on mobility. So, so did we, we just followed him and we did two investments in the mobility space. One was hop, skip drive, which we found was the best company with what we call care drivers. These are people that spend extra time and energy um, and also have five years of caregiving experience, 90% of whom are women, um, helping people as they get from place to place. Like an Uber doesn't have someone who's trained to help you out and stay with you in an appointment. Um, Hop, skip, drive does. And they also are driving at-risk children, um, children from foster care to schools, which is really terrific. And then May Mobility is an electric autonomous shuttle. And they're now located in Providence, Rhode Island and Indianapolis and Arlington, Texas and uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, where they were founded. And what was really important to us with this company is not only did we love the technology, but also to their wheelchair accessible. So we thought that that was really exciting. And they are autonomous shuttles that are actually running and they're doing it. The reason why they can run, you know, we're sort of, you hear about the Tesla ones that are having trouble is that these are on closed tracks. So they only go around and around and around and around. And, um, And they're very safe doing that and they're low speed. So they're only at 25 miles an hour. So they're incredibly safe, incredibly useful. And we're excited about them. Um, the uh, the most recent in, uh, investment we made in this space is a company called Carry Loop, which has uh, these care coaches, which are fantastic, which it's sold into human resources as a benefit. And if you have a mother that's diagnosed with Alzheimer's and you're working for, say, BlackRock or Procter & Gamble or Pfizer, who are, who are customers of mm-hmm. this, you'll be able to access Carry Loop services to help you through that journey. Because so many people don't know, do I, do I put my mom in senior living? Does she need mem- What's the difference between senior living and, and memory care? And it, wait a second, skilled nurses, what are these? And can we have somebody come to the house? And do we need sensors? And oh, by the way, how do I pay for this? And Carry Loop navigates all of that for you. So you can go back to work and do what you do best. That sounds absolutely amazing. I actually just... I know. That's, that's, I know. that's so needed. And I can't believe yep. that this didn't exist before because that's such a smart business. I know so many people in my life who are, in, you know, we're in the sandwich generation. You're yes. ba- you know, balancing the needs of your, your family, your, you know, your young family, but also aging parents. And so... To have and, and people are leaving the workforce, you know, in droves as we've learned during COVID to manage the three million, three yeah. million women left the workforce, and most of them for caregiving responsibilities. Uh, absolutely. So this is something that that's so needed, and I and I love that you're investing in it. That's going to be a gigantic business. So you, you mentioned you. it's with some very large companies right now. Is there the opportunity? Right. Are they looking to bring it to to maybe to smaller like SMBs, smaller to mid sized businesses, or is it just absolutely? For and I think that the reason to go to the larger businesses first is because, of course, if you if you have a BlackRock or a Procter and Gamble as a customer, it's easier to get the smaller businesses, right? Um, but then also too, they do have a direct to consumer option if you wanted to go on your website. That's not the core of their business, but they will do it for you if if someone's having trouble and they want to investigate it. They can certainly, you know, call and see if it's right for them. So amazing. So a quick yeah. question for you. you, you these are. Um, 
I don't know if you're in the business of giving advice to people who want to get into the market. I know you, I'm sure you're giving a lot of advice to them. Oh my gosh, I give advice all day long. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's worth what you pay for it, right? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, but I know, like, I'm sure your portfolio companies benefit from your, from your knowledge. But if somebody's listening to the show and thinking, you know, I have an idea. Like, I, I definitely see a gap in the market in this sort of elder care, silver tech space. You know, what it's, advice would you be giving them to sort of meet the, the needs of this burgeoning market? Like, what do you think... Where do you think the opportunities lie for somebody who's looking to get in the space? Sure, absolutely. Well, the the first advice I I always give, and I think it's really important, is to take a step backwards before you even look for opportunities. Make sure you have your financial house in order. It is incredibly important for you to have about three years of cash or the ability to do this because the first couple of years are going to be really lean and you have to bootstrap it and you have to get some some traction. A lot of people I think are, are under an impression that you can just have a great idea and someone will fund you. And, and that's not really true of, of equity, which is what I do. I take, I take anywhere from five to 20% of a company um, or debt, you know, you have to have some traction. So you have to be able to fund a little bit of it yourself. But in terms of white space places, we are really looking where there is a, a lot of need Um for a venture capital quality company would be something in the fall detection and prevention is something we're really excited about. Um, we're still, even though we made the investment in, in carry loop, we are really excited about caregiving because we feel like, you know, my gosh, there's 50 million unpaid caregivers in this country and we need to help them out, you know, through technology is a, a really efficient way to do that. Um, but there is, there's just all kinds of white space in terms of, whether you want to build a sort of a venture capital level company, or if you if you just want to build something that's say spinning off half a million or a million dollars in top line revenue for you, that could be a really great company for you, and that could be in the loneliness or caregiving or um, or quality of life for people as they age as yeah, well. Absolutely, with fifty million people, that's that's quite a big number. So there's probably yeah. so many different ways to like take a bite at that apple. You know, it's a pretty right. big it's a pretty big apple. Uh, right. Tracy, you said at the beginning that you've made some bets that didn't work. And you I was actually surprised to hear those numbers about, you know, the number of uh, businesses that that don't right. even make it, to, you know, to 50 percent. So you've made some bets that didn't work, obviously. What did you what did you learn from them? And how do you you know, does it make you better and smarter about your future bets? Oh, of course, Katie. And I am learning every single day. And you know, I'd rather learn the easy way instead of the hard way by by making these um, investments that don't work. But it does happen a lot, and and something people don't realize about venture capital too is that we can we can not be successful because a company runs out of money or is mismanaged, but we also cannot be successful because of the way that the deal is structured. So I, I've been learning a lot both both on on that side and and on the company failure rate. But I would say. The number one reason that companies don't succeed is sales, obviously, you know, and, and sales is a function of two things, having the successful sales teams that's selling to the right people that are interested in what you're doing, and then having a product that's differentiated and really needed. A lot of people come up with something in their head and they think, oh, this is really, really needed, but they haven't talked to the customer. You got to go talk to the customer first. And we do that. We spend a lot of time talking to customers saying, hey, where are your needs? What are your holes? Where should we be looking out there in the marketplace? Yeah, it's so interesting. I I had Sonsalas Gonzalez on earlier in the month and she is the CEO and founder of Better Not Younger, the first hair care oh, company. Target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's I know. 
wonderful. And her, her company is targeted to the 40 plus market. And she said they do a lot of social listening. And yes. they, they have expanded into the, the brow and the eyelash space because, you know, women were like, I've got more hairs than just on my head. You know, I need some help with these, with these other things. And they, they really listened. And she, cause when I said, why did you extend your product line? And she said, my customers asked me to. And I thought she is very smart cookie. I, I thought that was terrific. Yep. So is, you, it's, do that it's social listening. Customer. Yeah, talk to your customers. Yeah. Do that social listening and figure out what it, what they need. Um, right. Tracy, I'm curious. So you've been doing you've been in this space for a while. You said that you what, what year did you launch 1843 Capital? So we started 1843 uh, three years ago. So three years ago, but you were yeah. you had a uh, history in this space. In 2018, you know, exactly. Yeah, 2018. So you, yep. you but you've had a history in this space uh, for a while. I know you took some time off to be home with kids and, and you've re-entered and you're obviously going like gangbusters. Beauty Counter was a great investment. Has your investment thesis or what you look for in a founder changed at all as you yourself have aged? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's just changed, I would say, in the last three years as well. You know, it's, it's re- I'm really placing an emphasis now on founders with prior experience. We, we have I love that, of- by the way. I just have to interrupt you to say I love that because my like, unofficial mantra is hire experienced women. <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, there is this massive brain trust of experienced women in this country that is, that is absolutely incredible. And I've loved tapping into it, not only in companies that we invest in, but I have a phenomenal advisory board. And so I'm constantly asking them for their opinions and, and their experiences. But, um, you know, the, the younger founders, you know, while there's all these accelerators out there and there's all these seed stage funds and they're all investing in these aggressive, um, excited, enthusiastic young founders. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is when the rubber hits the road and you have some real issues, you need those people that have failed before, right? And learn from these experiences rather than having to go through it again. So, so we're really placing our emphasis now on, on people who built businesses before. Okay, that's that's fascinating, and I'm so glad to hear that. And you yeah. know, do you feel that you could have um, started this fund when you were younger? I mean, has your has your own midlife wisdom, your own midlife resilience, help you? You know, do it at this stage of life, or could it have been yeah. done by you earlier? You know what? First of all, it wasn't even an option, Katie. We talked about that before. That they're just you know maybe there were like three women VCs when I was when, you know that were that were running their own funds when I was in. In fact, I'm actually actually I'm not sure that that's even true. Um, I think that there was one one venture capital fund um, when I was back with Baker Capital around uh, 2000 2001. Um, so it wasn't really something that was even on my radar. Uh, and, and I absolutely would not have had the confidence at that time, but, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but managing kids and managing a household has given me the confidence <laughs> to, to manage a team. And, you know, it's really funny how some of these, these, uh, skill sets that you learn when you're in the home just become really applicable then when, when you're back out there again. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. And I don't think it sounds funny at all. I think any single woman listening to the show realizes that <laughs> being, um, being a parent, being a mom gives you this insane, um, diverse, you know, toolkit that you can right. tap into. And even if you're, and for all the listeners who are not mothers, because not, not every, you know, woman becomes a mother either by choice or by circumstance. But I think right. that becoming somebody who w- women manage so many of the relationships in their, 
families, their extended families, their communities, their companies, you know, there's that yep. sort of mentoring. You you learn yep. a lot and you have so much, um, you know, confidence and high EQ that you can use yep. to, 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 to get the ball rolling. What are your, and what are your, go ahead, Tracy. How about, just man, how about just managing the guy coming to fix your dishwasher at the right price? <laughs> we're, we're good bargainers, right? Right. Right. We're, we're, yep. You know, we've been shopping our whole lives. We know exactly what things should cost. Yep. And we're, you know, exactly. and, and we are the consumers, too. I mean, we are, um, you know, making the bulk of the buying decisions. It, it always astonishes me that when we talk about these numbers, you know, that uh, uh, VCs or investors or female founders are on boards. And it's, you know, women are making the majority of the buying decisions in this this country. And, right. you know, I don't know why they're not given a seat at the table and why, you know, because it seems it would be, make so much sense to get the people who are so close to the customer. They are the customer. Why yes. aren't they, you know, people should be beating down our doors. Yeah. You know, a lot of this, though, stems from relationships. And this is when people say, oh, why? This is this is something I've noticed. And, you know, it's a gross generalization. So please don't, I, I yeah. hope no one gets offended by what I'm about to say, because I realize that there are individuals where it, this doesn't happen. But um, um, I would say many women think that if I am the best, if I have straight A's, they will notice me and they will want me on the board. And you know what, just because you're doing a good job and it doesn't mean that that translates, whether it's a senior position or a board position, it's 100% about relationships. These are trust relationships. And if they don't know you, even if you have a gold star resume, there's a fear there. There's a fear that you're going to come in and make them look stupid. Mm. There's a fear that you're going to come in and uncover things that they've been trying to hide for a long time. Interesting. There lots of different fears. So when they're playing golf with someone on the golf course or know someone from coaching the soccer team on the sidelines, there's trust there. So that's why traditionally a lot of these boards and a lot of senior management has been with people that they trust. And that is people that they just happen to know through their networks and happen to be other guys. And, um, you know, now we're starting to stop that, you know, we're, we're starting to mandate it, like you said, in California, but I also encourage women to get creative and buck the system and get to know relation, you know, in a relationship, other men who are on boards, because that is how you're going to end up on boards. That is how you're going to end up in senior management by getting them to trust you. That is such a fantastic piece of advice. And, you know, in the, it makes so much sense because in the way you, you do want to um, have a team that you can trust. You do want to make sure that you feel uh, that the people either on your board or your company, your senior management team have your back. You know, the, but you, as you pointed out, the problem is then you wind up with the same sort of closed group of people. So you really have right. to find a way to sort of bust into that inner circle and, and make it. So wh how, how would you do that? What would, what would you recommend to somebody who um, wanted to find uh, either a board role or maybe to have senior leadership? You know, what are some opportunities to engender that trust and sort of put yourself into the right mix? Well, you could be a little Machiavellian about it, where if you find someone's on a board of a company where you think you'd be a good board member, find out what their uh, what their passions are for philanthropy and, and help out on that. Yeah. And get to know people through that way or, or volunteer to, you know, I know, listen, I know that women don't have any time because they're doing the caregiving, they're doing their work and they're exhausted and they just want to fall into a bathtub at night. But um, also a lot of work does get done on the sidelines of children's games, you know, and, and I know that we have the work of talking to the other moms about, um, 
you know, the, what schools to go to and what coaches to get and this and that, but we also have the work to do of, of talking to our other male peers who are in businesses on the sidelines as well to figure out where we where we should go next or where we belong. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I think, you know, I don't think it's like Machia, Machiavellian. I can't even say that word. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it'll be interesting. I'll have to figure out how to spell it when I put it into the show notes. But um, but I do think it's just about bringing intention and a little rigor to the process to say, you know, right. if, if I want to be at point Z, you know, what are what's the ABCD I need to do to get there? And just in bringing some intentionality around it, which... You know, which is which is smart. We need to we need to manage our career. We need to manage our networks, even though we, we you know we don't like to think of it as, as so transactional. But I think that if that's a goal, if it's a goal to expand your network, if it's a goal to have a certain um, position, that you just need to be strategic about how you you get there. And this right. is this is a quick pitch for LinkedIn because I do a lot of my work on LinkedIn, well, and I think LinkedIn is LinkedIn. a phenomenal way of figuring out who in your network. Uh, you know, and this is a great tip for even just job hunters. I will work with clients and I'll say, if somebody's got a career you admire, you can go look at their LinkedIn and see the roadmap that got them there. You know, you can see what they did to arrive at that that spot you want to be in. And you can sort of educate yourself about what they did and what they share and and how how they manage their own career. So, you know, it's a wonderful tool and and we should bring intentionality around our our careers and our... um, you know, in our choices and stuff. That is, it's such a great point, Katie. And I love LinkedIn and I use it probably every single day. And I, I, I would recommend too, that people are sort of a, a little bit intentional about their LinkedIn account too, and not just accept uh, connections from every single person that reaches out, um, but more just keep it a little tighter that you've actually met the person or had a phone call with the person so that there is a then when you go to use it and you go to 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 reach out to someone, you've actually had a phone call with them before when you see that you're connected. Yeah, it's a true um, it's a true network. My, my filter is, you know, have we worked together in the past or might we work together in the future? That's right, you know, right. th- th- those exactly. are the people that I allow into my inner network. So I think yeah. that's terrific. Um, yep. Tracy, we're going to be wrapping up in a little bit, but before I let you go, I do want to just hear a little bit about, you know, sort of your personal take on aging. I know that you're in the silver tech space, um, and that you are on the Forbes 50 over 50 list. So, you know, can you, would you be willing to share your age with us and, and sort of your outlook sure. on this, this time of, of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm 55 and I actually started my firm when I was 52. So I, I just caught the the tip of the 50 over 50 and um, Mika Brzezinski was on uh, MSNBC and she was talking about how people were lying to get into the list. (laughs) They were were actually saying, you know, they were 49 and she's like, no, 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 you can't, you're not 50. You can't be on the list. I love it. It's a very hot club to be in. I'm here for it. Isn't that funny? I just thought that that was, that was the cutest thing. But um, listen, I I think that uh, aging is just a, benefit if we take care of ourselves. So, you know, we have all the wisdom, we have all the network. I I always say, God, the best thing about being old is that all my friends are successful too. So I can pick up the phone and call somebody who's also 50 and just get stuff done. Yeah. You know, it's really wonderful. But um, but we're looking for all kinds of companies in the aging space, whether it's, you know, fabulous regenerative skincare that's really going to change the way your skin looks or your health. Or um, we looked at a marketplace that was doing uh, telehealth for aging as a disease, which, you know, there's, there's these really interesting things out there now that, that uh, supplements and things that people can take to sort of stem off aging. 
um, you know, all the way to like care when you need help for it later on, later on in the day. So, so many exciting yeah. things. And, and I agree. I there's so many, I, I actually just read a quote recently and it was saying something to the effect of, you know, you, you age, but you don't have to get older. Like we all are going right. to, we're all right. going to age, but we can, yeah. it's, it's your chronological age and your biological age. And you can't do anything about the years, but you can be sort of biologically younger. You can maintain your yes. body, maintain your skin. Uh, yep. There are re you know there are resources and tools and products that can help you live a, a, a fitter, healthier life. So I love that you're working in this space. It, yeah. Is there a particular product or, or, or resource that you would direct our listeners to if they want if they were a female founder looking for funding or looking for? Uh, it sounds like you have some resources on your website, but is there anything else yes. that you want to direct people to? Oh gosh, um, definitely look at my website because it has tons and tons of resources. But if a woman is developing a product and she's looking for funding. I just love iFundWomen. I think that that does a really good job and is really helpful. But like I said too, you know, sort of pad your nest first and make sure that you have some some capital to work with. And, and also too, I, I find women, because they do run out of money, they end up giving away so much of their company. And I've seen that happen so many times where they don't even own their company anymore because somebody's given them a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that is crazy. So um, I really encourage you to, to keep as much equity as you can and keep as much control over it as you can and only really get that extra capital when you're ready to put fuel on the fire. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. Tracy, how can our listeners keep following you and the work of 1843 Capital? Oh my gosh. Thanks. Well, uh, first of all, LinkedIn, um, is a great thing and it's probably where I'm the most active and I'm, I'm posting things that we're investing in and what we're doing, but then also too, um, I have a personal Instagram account where I share pictures of my dogs, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Tracy underscore Chadwell, um, for Instagram and then Twitter, uh, at Trace at T Chadwell on Twitter. So thank you so much, Tracy. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women over 50 who are aging without apology. And this also wraps our June shows and our month-long look at women building powerhouse businesses and brands. We kicked off the month with Kindra CEO, Katherine Balsam-Schwaber, who shared why menopause companies are finally having a moment and what it takes to build a next-gen wellness brand. Sansalas Gonzalez came on to talk age-proofing your hair and how she launched her hair care company, Better Not Younger, the first hair care company dedicated to women over 40. Valerie McMurray, the founder of luxury sun care company Soleil Toujours, shared how she pivoted from investment banking to launch a company creating products she wanted for her own beach bag. Next week and all of July, A Certain Age is taking a short summer break. And while we're on vacation, we will be resharing several of our favorite shows from earlier seasons. We'll be back with brand new shows the first week of August with a very special month of summer fun, creative guests, and a special anniversary show to celebrate one year of podcasting and aging out loud. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. <laughs>